My name is Mary Grace, and you're listening to the Homebody Podcast. Here, we explore embodiment as interstellar beings, practicing how to live more fully as creatures of both the stars and the earth. These spiritually and artfully minded conversations intersect astrology, creative practices, intuition, magic, healing, poetry, and a deep love for the natural world. My hope is to enliven you so we can co-create possible regenerative futures, to encourage you so together we can become dynamic agents of beauty, fully awake with our power intact. Let us be intentional as we approach the creation and caretaking of life, and let's make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. everyone. Welcome to our final installment for now of our water medicine series. And today I'm going to discuss two archetypes that really hold a lot of common themes and symptoms and healings available to us through this water medicine lens. And there's a lot of these archetypes. I won't be exhaustive here. Um, I explore more of them in depth inside of the water medicine course, providing a lot more nuance and waterways. Um, and if you're interested in that, tomorrow is the last day to join. So if these topics have felt resonant over the past few weeks, it's a beautiful course. I'm very proud of it. And it's work that has consistently invited me into a lot of transformation and healing and new stages in life. And it's grown a lot this year as I'm visiting it again and more fleshed out. And I'm so excited to share it with you all. So if it's something that you're interested in or something that's been calling to you tomorrow is the last day to join. So I hope that you will. If you've taken the water medicine quiz, then it's likely pointed out that some of these archetypes may be familiar to you. Um, maybe this is one that you got. Um, there's four and I'm only covering two here, but um, you probably have more than one that you need or that you're leaning into, but the quiz results will take you to the more dominant one you have for right now. So our first water archetype that we're talking about today is the Selkie. This half human, half seal, the Selkie finds herself in a situation that feels like it's compromising her true nature in some way. She's being confronted with bargains or deals that she's made in the past that she's outgrown now. And she's aware that if they don't change soon, then she's going to dry out for good. And then there will be a big piece of who she is that becomes beyond recovery or it's beyond retrieving. And so there's this sense of displacement inside of one's own life. Like it doesn't really fit anymore. or Maybe it really never did fit, but it's here and it's becoming a big problem. Something that really needs to be retrieved and named and moved. And the predicament is that we've made choices, whether they're forced or otherwise, that, you know, have lived us into a life where we're only singing one kind of song. We're living one kind of life, and yet there is another very important key piece of us that is missing. It's isolated or it's not playing out. It's not being given expression. And so this means that the desires attached to this part of us are cut off. The sensations of that part of us are missing as well. There's a lack of depth and presence to how we're showing up because of this. So there could be this sense of like, maybe that we should be happy or we should be grateful, but something inside just can't get over that gnawing sensation that something is missing, that something just isn't right. And 
We need to listen to that gnawing sensation, (laughs) that wiggle inside. I'm all here for gratitude and everything around that. But the more I work with gratitude and myself, the more I think that gratitude is primarily an outcome. It's not a way that we force ourselves into a way of feeling, but it is a result of alignment and wholeness and deep presence. And because if the part of us that has been cut off wants to live, it's here to live inside of you. And if it can't live inside of you, then it won't live at all. So in order to survive as a whole being, this part of us must be recovered. And the gnawing or the spontaneous crying in the car for no apparent reason or whatever it is, this annoying discontent is calling you to recover that missing piece and all the things that go with it. So it may have a good reason for hiding or being removed, but if it stays in hiding forever, then it's going to die. So, and it doesn't want to, which is why there is that gnawing feeling. It's calling to you that you're, you're in relationship with it regardless. And so it's your responsibility to retrieve it, to go find it, to revive it, to bring it back to life inside of you. And so if you have a life right now that is built around this one part of you being dismembered, then bringing that dismembered bit back may disrupt the life that you currently have right? If you bring that part back, you know, when you do, or if you do, if you bring that missing piece back into you and into your life, um, it might disrupt some things, right? But this call is one of courage, right? It's asking you to have the courage to risk disrupting things to go bring that part of you back. If you want to be wholly alive right now, you need to own this part of you and knit it to yourself and reclaim it and embody it, even if it rocks the boat or disrupts your routine or some of your commitments or some of the things you said in the past. And it must be done. There may be a sense of possibility that you got lost along the way or, um, you know, something you were told or believed wasn't possible. And so you trashed it and everything attached to it. But that possibility, that sense of what if is starting to hound you a little bit and it's catching up with you and it's asking you to heal yourself into its vision again. So there's a reclamation here. It's a return of a dream and identity that's being asked so that it can meet up with you in the present and live into the future with you. Um, a version of my story with this is that I was, um, before I, well, I'd seen my husband, my now husband before, but I had not, um, we weren't in a relationship. I had just seen him a couple times, um, like years prior. So I knew he existed, but it wasn't, you know, top of mind. Um, but I was in a relationship with someone and I had been dating them for about a year and a half and I was living with them. And shortly after I moved in with them, I started to get this kind of nagging feeling. Like I had seen this, like, oh, this person, like, and it was a really like secure relationship. It was good. It was healthy. There was a lot of trust in there. And and now looking back, it was like something that we both needed for sure. But I was starting to get this nagging sense that it was just kind of fine. And whereas earlier fine was feeling like enough, it was starting to not feel like enough. And I, there's that voice. There's like, oh, I should just be grateful. And this person is so nice. And this person is so great and blah, blah, blah. And all of those things are true. But there was this wild sense that was like, this is not enough. And years earlier, I had been in a relationship that was um, very emotional was highly connected to this person. And there were a lot of reasons why a romantic relationship with this person wasn't possible. And it was really hard for me. It was a really deep 
blow. (laughs) It was really challenging. And I remember being so sad about it and feeling so much grief over it. I remember, um, actually in a score that I made for a dance that I performed, one of the cues was I cut off my arm and that was one of the images that I was working with. And so it was like, in order for me to keep going, I felt like I've got to cut off my arm, the part of my arm that's attached to this person or this dream of this life that I thought I could have with this person. I got to cut it off. And what was happening years later, as I was starting to experience this kind of gnawing, nagging, disgruntled feeling was that this arm was coming back (laughs) and it was bringing, to me, it was like scary because it felt like it was bringing trouble. And I was starting to, I was crying in the car for no reason. I would just be like driving down the road and just start crying this like really deep, like heartbreak, like sobbing, crying. And I'm like, nothing is going wrong in my life. Right. But something was coming back up. And so I was getting back up and early in the morning and sitting with it. And, um, the Selkie story and the Selkie medicine is what really started to call to me. And I returned to that and listened to that. And and I was having these dreams that this arm was like coming back out of the ground and trying like reattaching itself to my body. And I was like, this is the skin and it's coming back in. And it led to a lot of series of events. Um, but shortly after, um, this started happening, I was building out a space for my studio and I had hired my now husband to come and do some work cause he's a contractor. And so I'd hire, and I didn't know that it was him, but as soon as he showed up in the parking lot and I realized, wow, that's him. I realized, oh, this is that disgruntled feeling. <laughs> this is the arm that's trying to get reattached. It's the part of me that took this feeling off of the table and said, this is impossible. You can't have this. And it's only making your life hard and sad. So you better discard it so that you can keep going. And while that was definitely a choice that I think I needed to make at the time, it was also a choice I needed to make to put it back on. And a lot of messy things later, it did disrupt my life. You know, I let the arm come back on. I did a lot of healing work, a lot of kind of returning to myself in such a big way, and a lot of just owning some messy desire that I was like, wow, I really feel called. I really want to be with this person, but I'm also already with this other person. And um, long story short, I I ended up, I had to I had to break up with that, um, the person that I was with and I moved out and I was like homeless for a few months because I didn't have anywhere to live and I was running a business, but I was also falling in love because now I could be with my now husband and it was just all a very fast thing. But all that to say, it was a beautiful story and it's a messy story. Um, and yeah, people, people got hurt and I got hurt too. I don't like breaking hearts, but it was just something that I was so, I knew that that arm had to come back on. And as soon as I did that, I met this person and I knew what that was about and I knew what it was for. And did it disrupt the hell out of my life? It most certainly did. Was it uncomfortable? Did it disrupt other people's lives too? It most certainly did. Um, but I owned it. I had to put that part of my life back on the table and I had to own that there were feelings, there were attachments, there were things that I wanted to experience from a partnership that I wasn't experiencing. And I had to really sit with that and live with that and live into that and reclaim that again, even though I didn't have an easy solution in front of me. And Selkie medicine is that, right? It's not here to make your life peaceful. It's here to make you wildly and wholly alive. And 
Yeah, it may rock the boat. And yeah, it may require some courageous new renegotiations. But I'm saying that story because I know that that was absolutely the thing that I needed to do. And it was absolutely the right choice for me. And it was absolutely a huge, huge healing journey for me about what I think I can expect from life, what surprises mean, what chaos looks like. And that sometimes surprises is that someone's covering your eyes to bring you a birthday cake and that you just didn't see it coming. But sometimes the thing you didn't see coming is a good thing. So there's an invitation with the Selkie here to, to put things back on the table and to really own the things that you've left behind and the desires and the stories that are attached to them for the sake of being holy and wildly alive, which is water medicine. And the other t- go- archetype we're going to talk about today is the moon. And this is a hard one for folks because it goes so against the ways that we're taught to show up. But embracing the moon as a teacher of cycles, seasons, visibility, and invisibility that, you know, not every day is a good one for planting. Not every day is a good one for harvesting. And we may resist this in many ways because it means that we have to, we may have to embrace endings or dyings, you know, not only in the mortal sense, but in the fact that like not everything we do or make will last forever, (laughs) right? We know that. And yet we spend a lot of energy in our life trying to keep things the way that they are simply because they are, whether it's our routines or our habits or our businesses. And like, sure, we need stability to have a foundation, um, period. That's true. Like we all could benefit from some stability. That's just how things stand up. And yet sometimes stability is more about maintaining. It's more about staying safe. You know, sometimes it's more about having really high expectations for the sake of having high expectations. Sometimes our boundaries are too hard. You know, if you don't ever let yourself change your mind, if you don't ever let yourself renegotiate um, a commitment or a contract, maybe you're being too hard on yourself. Maybe you're expecting things to never change and they do, right? Or if we judge other people for bailing on us or not texting us back immediately, you know, maybe we need to soften around um, how we might judge ourselves, right? Do we expect ourselves or do we hold up ourselves by some invisible standard um, by which we judge everyone around us, including us? And that metric is how dependable are they? How constant are they in my life, right? And you know, I said I was going to go to this thing. I can't not go to it. I promised, right? And you're allowed to change your mind. You have permission to change your mind. And in our relationships, you know, even if, you know, you're friends with the same person for 20 years, you're not friends with the same person. You've both changed so much. And in fact, you will have many different friendships with that person over the course of your life if you stay friends with them. I'm experiencing this now as I've had a lot of close friends move away in the past few years or um, places where we used to see each other all the time don't exist anymore. And so, you know, our responsibilities change. We're not as readily available as we used to be, but the bond is more important than the expectations or the contracts around them. And so what it looks like to honor the bond or maintain it is going to change. And we have to allow that to be so. It requires a sensitivity, you know, which is also very lunar. It's very moon. 
to know when those cusps are being come upon, right? When you're at the beginning of a new phase and you're riding the wave to its fullness and it's circling back down to change again, you know, each new phase requires new negotiations, lessons, agreements, you know, it needs different things from you and you will need different things from it. You know, if you've raised kids and now they don't need you all the time, what does that end for you? What does that begin for you, right? It's a new negotiation. It's a new contract. And so if you've had a successful business, but now it's not, it's starting to not work as well or not feel as good. Well, what is it asking from you now? You know, we could spend all of our energy trying to keep it the same, or, um, we could see how are we going to change or see the world differently, or how are we going to open up to something new in ourselves that wants to come through? So if the world you know, used to operate one way, or you had one perception about a person or a party or a country, now that's changed. You know, that's very common, right? I know a lot of people who've expressed feeling politically homeless. I'm one of them. Um, Whereas they they used to feel very comfortably identified or situated within a particular political party, and now they don't really resonate with any of them. You know, that's another kind of change where we feel like our affiliations or our identities get scrambled, you know, and so there's something new. There's a new tension that's present that is another form of creation. It's another way our creative energy is being asked to come forward and evolve with us when we feel that tension and there's a problem, so to speak, but we're not really sure sure what to do about it yet. So maybe we're negotiating, where do my beliefs fit? Where do my hopes for the world go? Where are my aspirations now? Who am I if I let this dream go that used to feel so present or necessary, but now it doesn't? Who am I without that? What endings is this asking? What beginning is this making? And we want to be present with these moments and changes because then we can be a part of the change in a co-creative way. You know, if we just act like they're not happening and try to freeze them in like a time capsule, then we become a time capsule, right? And more likely the change is going to happen without us if we take that route and it will cause more damage or leave us behind in some way. And so again, I'm not saying all change is good just because it's change. I'm not saying that. And I think you know that, but I am saying that things have an organic rhythm of realities and iterations that they cycle through and the moon is holding that for us. And so sometimes it can be just as much about waiting as it is about changing. You know, for instance, I've had things that have been in the back of myself that I know are things that I want to make, things that want to come through me, but it just hasn't been time yet. I couldn't feel the energy behind them. I could make them happen, but I don't want to make it happen. I'm a very creative person. I've practiced creativity enough to know when there's a flow to a thing and when it's cooperating with me and pushing with me. I'm not trying to force a labor here. You know, I want it to come when it's ready. And my job is just to listen for when it's ready and keep my finger on the pulse and make space when it wants to make space and come through. And when it comes, it may crowd out other things in my life. And even good things that are coming through, sometimes they bring an ending to other things, right? We're always cycling through these different iterations and we want to be present for that. We want to be listening enough to that. We want to know what that feels like in our body and be okay with the seasons that call us underground or into an ending, which is also a beginning. We want to be okay with waiting until the time is right 
and know how to be present when something new is ready to come through in all of its bloody mess, because it is a mess. And if it does bring a mess, even it's glorious, you know? So you can change your mind. You can say this was working for me and now it's not. It's, you know, you can say that like I was this way and now I'm feeling like I need to move this way, that you can also be talking to yourself about that. You know, there may be parts of you that feel resistant to how you want to change. Will you change with me? I'm feeling this wave, this wind, this adventure. Will you go on it with me? What do you need to go on this with me? So whereas the Selkie is about a reclamation, a reviving of self, the moon is bringing us an iteration of self, a permission to reiterate and change, whether it's changing our plans when we need to honor what our body is feeling in a moment, or maybe it's changing the formats of our relationships that we're in, or it's welcoming a new thing into our world. It's honoring our truth and the truth of our body in this moment. And I used to be really terrible about this. It's still something that I work on. I tend to merge very easily with other beings and energies and situations. And that does make me very intuitive. It's very helpful when doing energy work, but it's not great for a lot of other things. So I had to really learn to honor what my body is saying more than I was honoring someone else's expectations or someone else's unspoken desires or my projected story about what that was. And now if my body is saying it's too much, it's too much, period. No questions asked. I don't need an explanation around it. And I don't give one. I would, I know I could make myself sick by being too constant because I had a whole identity built around being helpful and being there for people and being available, being subservient, which was reinforced by religion and other things like misogyny. But, um, I would make myself sick because I would push past those bounds and push past my body all the time. And maybe that used to be okay. Now it's not, or maybe I've done some healing and now I'm like, you know what? The body is saying no. And that's all I need to know. And maybe it was this way. And now it's not, maybe I used to be able to go at a certain pace, but right now I can only go at this pace and I need to honor that or I'm not honoring the cycle that I'm in. If I'm not honoring that, I'm actually disrupting the cycle that I'm in. And if we disrupt it enough, the cycle goes away and we don't know where it is and it's hard to get back into it, right? And I think a lot of us culturally and economically, individually, even communally, you know, we're noticing that we've been on this line graph way of operating where we're always going forward and up. And we see now that we need to learn just as much about deceleration, about degrowth, about darkness, as we've learned about showing up and peaking and visibility and growth. So just like Western industrial culture tosses away people who aren't on that red line going up and out as if that is the only valuable thing. Hello, burnout episode that we had a few weeks ago, which is the result of embodying this up and out only philosophy. Um, because we're learning, you know, that's not actually how humans work. Nope. Not even men. We aren't on an upward and outward trajectory at all times that we have peaks and donumas and moments of fullness and moments of empty, and they are all held within this cycle, this cycle that the moon is teaching us about so visibly all the time. And, you know, we all have to have a place where we can exist in this because in order to be fully human, that we are not constantly onward and upward going out, right? Just like in astrology, we love the sun we are the sun for sure, but we are the sun who lives inside the moon. And so if the moon has to be what holds and contains our light, which for now 
you know, is our body, you know, it burns brightly at times and it hides away at other times. And we have to learn to participate in that cycle in order to be that holy human that we want to be. So in a culture that values, you know, yelling and rage as a fake solution to things or public displays, um, it's really not right? That's sometimes even more of this like upward and outward energy, right? It's just yelling. It's just rage. It's just being loud. It's just being visible. What could happen if we embraced more of that cycle of change when we're trying to make change, right? What could happen if sometimes we were silent and still and with, and we came into that change as it was coming to us and how different our creations and our iterations and our solutions could be. So inside of the water medicine course, we go way more in depth with these and many more kind of archetypes and waterways and, um, I show you how to work with them, the mythologies that support them. And I also share more about how I relate to each of these. So if you're interested in diving in with us, head to the link below and join us for water medicine before, um, tomorrow. Uh, which is Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Time. I never know which one it is, Eastern Time in the U.S. And would love to have you join us. And But even if you don't, I hope that you will um, take these stories, these archetypes, and these inspirations and just let them sit as invitations for you. And if they feel a little bit uncomfortable, like the way I was describing with the Selkie, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's inviting you back into something that is more whole, but there's something disgruntled that we will have to learn to sit with first. Maybe there's a cycle that we're trying to jump back into, and maybe we have to jump sideways to get into it and let it spin us for a little bit before we learn its rhythm. So I hope that you will have the courage to do that, the courage to own and live into the parts of yourself, the parts of your creative energy that we talked about that help you be fully alive and scatter your inspiration and your imagination to everything that you touch because the world so desperately needs it. And that is all I wish for you right now. May you embrace the water. May you embrace flow, surrender, belonging, and ease. And may all these things be with you and may all these things be so. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the show, and share the episode. Check out the links below to learn more about things we talked about and find free resources. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us inside of the Homebody Portal, a free online community where you can talk more about the episode, learn with us, and connect with others. Let us be in service to life with courage, creativity, and connection. Thank you for being here. Be well. Peace.